Well, hey everyone, Pastor Stephen here, and I want to thank you for checking out this message from Journey Church. I hope that it encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus than ever before. If you are joining us today online or through the live stream, we are so excited that you are with us. However, we are not meant to do life alone, so don't let online media be a substitute for an actual community of faith and fellowship. God created us to do life with one another so that we can grow together on life's journey. We hope that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, that was pretty ominous, wasn't it? <laughs> That's what I do when I give Stephen the control over the creative parts of services. What an awesome, <laughs> awesome video, awesome way to start this. I want to welcome you. This is day one of our series of messages called Endgame, and this is day one of many. We're going to be in this series of messages for quite some time because this is a deep topic. We are going to be looking at the scriptures together over the next several weeks and months to understand exactly what it says about the end of the age as the Bible prophesied about, as the Bible spoke to, as Jesus himself referenced. Over the next several months, we're going to be working together to look at several uh, of the highest peaks of biblical mountain eschatology, the study of the end of the times. Now, the danger that you may even feel is that you want to know everything at once, and the danger that I have is just wanting to give you all of the information at one sitting, but that would be like trying to take a drink, uh, a drink of water from a fire hydrant. It just would not be possible. And so what we're going to do is spend time looking at what the Bible says directly uh, about the end times events. We're going to take an honest look, a real look. In fact, as I began to study this material, and it was about maybe, maybe three months ago that I started to just do a deep dive study into this material, I realized that the things that I had always thought and the things that I thought that I had known, the things that people had spoken before, the other teachers that I had listened to, when I compared it to what the Word of God said, it was not accurate. There is an accuracy in the Bible when it comes to the end times events. The reason I am bringing this up to you now and the reason that we are going through this series now is because I fully believe and firmly believe that we are at least on the cliff. We are on the precipice. It may be in the next decade. It may be in the next couple of decades. It could be quicker. We don't know. I'm not a date setter and I don't believe in the setting of dates when it comes to the end times events. But as you read through the Bible, as you read through specifically what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25, when you read the books of Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Jeremiah, when you read Revelation and you build all of those layers upon another, you get a good sense of the end times events that we can know when we are the generation that is living in that time, the time of the Lord's return. So we are going to be looking at over the next several, like I said, weeks and months, at what the Bible says, not reading in, not what the latest YouTube video is, not what the latest theory is, not what the latest conspiracy theory is. We are just going to take an accurate, hard look at the Bible. And the Bible lays it out more clearly than I think most of us really know. 
Today, what we are going to do is start to unpack this. It, this, this whole thing, and, and this was the hard challenge of studying this, it's like pulling on a thread and five others coming loose and realizing that there is so much that it cannot be co possibly comprehended on an instantaneous level that we just have to build on it layer by layer. It, it's kind of like taking a diamond. When you look at a diamond, it is beautiful. And when you spin the diamond, you get an aspect of it from different angles. The light reflects off of it in different ways. And the more you spin it, the more beautiful it is and the more depth you understand as you look at it from every different aspect and every different angle. That's what the end times events are going to be. God talks about these. He talks about the end of all things. He talks about in the end days. He talks about it in the last days, the latter days. In fact, it says um, of Jesus, when Jesus was ascending into heaven in the book of Acts, there were the disciples that were gathered around watching him ascend into heaven. And there were all of a sudden two men standing with them and said, why are you gazing at this? The Son of Man is going to return in the same way that he went up. If God talks about it, then we have to take it seriously. Today, what I want to do in this very first message, because it's a short message today, because we have baptisms that we want to celebrate here today. Today, instead of digging into what the Bible starts talking about as the events, and we'll start looking at that next week in the first message next week called Endgame. Today, the message that we are going to look at is called this. It is living in light of the end of all things. How should I live if we really are the generation that is going to be on the precipice, on the cliff of the end times events as talked about in the Bible, what changes should happen in my life? How should I react to this? What should I be doing to prepare myself? Do you know that the Bible lays out the exact scenario of how we should live in light of the end times events? It lays it out in the book of First Peter. And so today we are going to look at First Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Now Peter is going to say these words in First Peter chapter 4. He says these words. He says, now the end of all things is near. The end of all things, the word end is the Greek word telos, and the word telos means the finish, the outcome, the goal, the goal. We are almost at the goal of what God has been doing along this entire journey, why he has been doing this, why he established this. Next week, we'll look at what his end game is in this entire event. The word near, when you look at that sentence, the word near means that it's approaching and it is almost here. Specific things that are laid out in the Bible that we can know for certain that we are living in the generation that will see the return of the Lord. Now, there's reasons why I'm giving you this. There's reasons why we're going through this series. One is just so that we can be aware, but two is to clear up a lot of misteaching that is out there today. Jesus compared this entire process in the book of Matthew, Matthew 24, he compared it all to labor pains. If any of you have a child, if you have been through the process, whether you're a woman and you have been through the literal process of having a child, or you were the supporting husband who stood there and were a part of the event thinking, oh, it doesn't hurt that bad, honey. It's not that big of a deal. Whatever your perspective was, Jesus lays out the end times events like labor pains. 
Think about that process. For nine months, you go through the process. It's the first part of that is the journey of the pregnancy. It's the journey of the miracle, the journey of having this child, anticipating the child. And during a lot of that time, now I'm speaking from my wife's perspective, but it wasn't extremely painful. It was more uncomfortable. It was more the anticipation. And then all of the sudden, as we got down to the final 48 hours, all of a sudden she had a pain. And that pain was followed by more pain, more intense pain, until the pain was at full scale, and then finally the birth of our child. We were not focused on the labor. I was never looking forward to the labor. I was not excited. I didn't want to see my wife go through the suffering. I never was excited about that part, but I was always excited for the moment when the birth happened. At that moment, and, and Jennifer and I have six kids, we never once found out what, uh, what the gender was of the child before the child was born. So we were surprised every time. Uh, by the way, that's like opening your Christmas presents before Christmas if you find out the gender. Just so you know, I'm just saying. We were always excited. at That moment, the moment of birth where the pain was over and it was all worth it. And we had this beautiful child. Jesus is saying this, in the end, the labor pains are going to get intense. The baby is being forced into alignment. The body of believers around the world, the global church is being forced into alignment in order for the preparation of the birth. The pain is going to be intense, but the birth is going to be worth it. We don't really look to the events because we want to focus on the events. We look to the events so that we can see the coming kingdom, the birth of the new age, the new kingdom that Jesus is going to bring and he is going to establish. That's what our focus is. Well, today, as we look at the idea of living in the light of the end of all things, how should we change and how should we live? Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. If you have a Bible, please turn there with me. And there are a few things that we're going to cover, and I'm going to do it quickly because we don't have a lot of time here this morning. There are six things that Peter says about how we are to live in light of the end of all things. Before I jump into that, let's pray. Let's ask for God to bless this time. Father, this is your time, and we are your people here ready to learn and listen. Father, for this entire series of messages, as we focus in on the eschaton, the eschatology, the end of all things, help us, Lord, to have hearts ready to be prepared. Help us to have hearts ready to receive you. Help us to have minds and hearts ready to go through what we're going to have to go through. Father, I pray that especially for the Western church, that you would be getting us ready for the end times events. Father, show us your truth. Help us to walk in it and help us today, Lord, take a good hard look at ourselves, be introspective toward ourselves and hear what you have to say to us regarding how we should be living in light of this being right around the corner. Father, we don't know the day, we don't know the season quite yet. We see some signs that are happening, but Lord, we know that our hearts need to be ready to receive you. Bless this time in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, the first thing I want you to see in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says, Now the end of all things is near. Therefore, how should we be living in response to that? Now, like I said, next week, I'm going to get into the end game. Then we're going to get into Matthew 24 and 25, and we're going to look at specific events that Jesus lays out, prophecy that he gives, no, no figurative language. He's just going to give specific events. These are the things you're going to see. Before that, let's get into this. What should we be doing? How should I be living in light of the end times events that are going to be happening? The first thing that Peter is going to say of how to live in preparation is this. He's going to say, be prepared for suffering. Be prepared for suffering. What a way to kick off the whole series, right? Be prepared for suffering. That's not a popular thing. That's not the kind of message I want to hear. That's not popular in the Western church today. I don't want to have to think about, let alone go through times of hardship and suffering, yet that's exactly what Peter says in the very beginning. Let's look at the words of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, he says, since Messiah, since the Christ, since the anointed one, since he suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. I want you to notice that word, arm yourselves. The word arm literally means to pick up your weaponry. Pick up the sword, pick up the gun. Now he's not saying to go out and buy a gun to protect yourself. He's not saying get a sword and cut people in half. He's saying prepare yourself, arm yourself in your attitude. Start realizing that it's going to be tough and I need to be prepared for the tough times ahead. Again, this is probably one of the most unpopular thoughts or messages for the Western church. Because in the Western church, we have an idea that I want messages to make me feel good. I want messages to make me feel comfortable. I want you to promise me prosperity and wealth and health and, and blessings. That's what I want to hear. When I walk away from a church, I don't want to feel bad. I want to feel good. Make me feel good about, be a motivational speaker. Well, that's not the message that Peter gives us. Peter says, look, get yourself ready in the right attitude, in the right frame of mind to prepare yourself for the suffering that you're going to go through. <clears throat> in the church, globally, in the world, Many, many countries today are experiencing intense suffering and persecution. There are many countries today that are going through the loss of life because they are willing to commit their lives to Jesus. We have not faced that yet, but we will. There will be a point in time, and I'm sorry to say this to burst your bubble, but there will be a point in time that the church around the world globally will undergo intense persecution. So Peter says, I want you to arm yourself. If you go back a couple of pages in the book of 1 Peter, he's going to say something even, even uh, more to tie into this message. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, these words, he says, so brace your minds for action. Brace, brace your minds for action. Keep your balance and set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus, of Yeshua, the Messiah. I put the name Yeshua up there because just...
you know, this is a little bit of extra teaching for you. Do you know that Jesus is not actually his name? His name is actually Yeshua. Yeshua was his Hebrew name. It's what everybody called him. The name was Yeshua. Yeshua was translated into the Greek, Yesos, I-E-S-O-U-S, which was then dropped in the 17th, 1700s. The I was dropped. They turned it into a J and they changed it into Jesus. His actual name is Yeshua, which means salvation. It means savior. It means the one who will deliver and save. So I just bring that up there because it's an interesting note for you. He says, brace your minds. Think about what it is to brace. To brace yourself is to lean into, to, to make sure you've got firm footing. In Wyoming, we know what it is to brace ourselves against the wind. Some of you have lived in those situations where you've got 50 mile per hour wind blowing against you. Now, I have, I have developed a certain type of body that I don't have to worry about the wind blowing me over. But some of you, like my kids, they can easily be blown over, so they have to brace themselves against the wind that is blowing. So here's what Peter is saying. Brace yourself, because it's coming. Get your mind ready. Get your heart ready. Get your balance set. Brace yourself, because there's going to be suffering the idea of bracing is really injecting steel into your spines. The church in America, unlike almost all other countries, is unprepared for the kind of suffering that the end times events talks about. So right away at the very beginning, I don't want to scare you. I want you to be braced. I want you to be prepared. I want you to have some steel in your spines because there is going to be a valley of decision moment where you have to say, yes, I trust Jesus, or no, I reject him. And it could mean intense suffering if you choose to say, yes, I will follow him. But the suffering, like the, like the birth, the end byproduct is worth it. So he says this, brace your minds, be prepared for suffering. The second thing that Peter is going to say is be finished with sin. I actually, I'm going to go back to this. I forgot about this other verse that I had in there. God says this in Jeremiah chapter 12, verses five and six. Just note this. He says, if you raced with those on foot and they wore you out, how can you compete with horses? If you are secure in a land of peace, how will you do in Jordan's thickets? You know what he means by that? If you can't handle this, how are you going to handle that? If you can't just handle, if it wears you out to do this little bit, how are you going to handle when it gets tough? You know, the whole idea of this COVID situation, this mask situation, this, this is minor. This is nothing compared to the events that are going to happen. If we can't handle that, how are we going to handle it when it really gets tough? So that's what he says, be prepared for suffering. The second thing he says is be finished. Notice this, be finished with sin. Be finished with sin. Look at what he says again, 1 Peter chapter 4, starting again in verse 1. Therefore, since Messiah suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same attitude for the one who has suffered in the flesh, notice these words, is finished with sin. Just, just notice that. 
The one who has suffered in the flesh is finished with sin. As a result, he lives the rest of his time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For the time that is past, that means, that means your past, from this point on, your past, he says, is sufficient. Don't go back to your past. Your past is sufficient for you to carry out the desire of the pagans, which was living in indecency, lust, drunkenness, or drunken binges, orgies, wild parties, and lawless idolatries. He's saying, look, be finished with sin. That stuff can't be a part of your life anymore. In light of the end that is coming, why do you want to be stuck there? Life should be different. If you know Jesus is returning tomorrow, do you want, don't you want to make sure everything in my life is lined up where it needs to be? I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. I want to put all of that garbage in my life behind me so that I can make sure that I am right before he returns, before it gets tough. He says, the time is sufficient. Be finished with sin. And then he says, they are surprised. This means all of your drinking buddies, all of your partying buddies, all of your family, all of the ones that are engaged in this kind of behavior, they're all surprised toward you. That you do not run with them into the same riot of recklessness. And as a result, they vilify you. They make fun of you. They put you down. They talk about you. They post things about you. They vilify you. You're all of a sudden the enemy because you're not doing what they are doing. But they, the ones that are vilifying you, they will have to give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. They're going to have to give account. It doesn't say that you will. It says that they will, the ones that are vilifying you. Don't you want to be in the position to say, I don't have to give an account because I have been cleansed by Jesus. My life is right with him. I'm prepared for his return. I'm done with sin. Wouldn't that be a great position to be in? This is just a warning as somebody who loves you. They're going to have to give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the good news was proclaimed even to those now dead, so that though they are judged in the flesh before humans, so people judge you, who cares what people think? Who cares what people say? Who cares what judgment they bring against you, he's saying? Even though they judge you, they might live in the spirit before God. That's, that's you. Even though people are judging you, you don't care because you're going to be alive before God. You're going to be a part of his kingdom that is coming to be established. And when he returns, you're going to be right. Your life is going to be set. So be finished with sin. Put it aside. Colossians 3, 3 through 5 says this, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. When Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, Put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed. All of that is idolatry, he says. So we finish with sin. Third thing that he gives us is this. Be mentally focused and self-controlled. 
mentally focused and self-controlled. Be self-controlled, sober-minded for prayer. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for prayer, meaning get your mind under control. One of the things that is driving me crazy today, and I had to a couple of months ago just say, look, I'm done with this. I had to say, I am done with watching YouTube videos. I am done with Facebook videos. I am done with watching news events. The news events that I primarily watch today are out of Israel because Israel, as you're going to discover, is the epicenter of all that's going to happen. It is the epicenter of what is going to take place. We have to understand that. I had to put it aside because it was messing with me. It was not helping me be self-controlled and sober-minded. What does it mean to be self-controlled? It means get yourself under control, your mind under control, your life under control, and be sober-minded, meaning you're not walking around in a drunken stupor. You're not walking around stumbling around. You have steady hands, steady minds, steady hearts, and steady feet. Do you know when it comes to the world today, I, I cannot tell you how many countless conspiracy theories there are in the, you, do you know what I mean? Have you watched them? They're everywhere. It's daily. And when I started this series, I got so much stuff sent from people and not just one. I mean, in the, in the forties and fifties of people sending me things that I needed to see and needed to watch and I would watch. And then I got to thinking, this, uh, this is just messing with me. Do you know God speaks of this? Look at what he says, that God speaks to this issue. He says this in Isaiah chapter eight, verses 11 through 13. For thus says the Lord, Adonai, he spoke to me with a strong hand, warning me that I should not walk in the way of these people saying, do not say it's a conspiracy about everything that these people call a conspiracy. You must not fear or tremble at what they fear. The Lord of hosts, which is Adonai Zavot, him will you sanctify and let him be your fear and trembling of him. God says, don't, don't, don't follow into that. Instead, look here. It's all here. It's laid out here. This is what we need to know. How much time do you spend reading this compared to watching videos, compared to listening to the news, compared to wrestling this with friends? What's the comparison? If you want to know what's going to happen in the end, it's right here. It's all laid out. It's just that we don't know it because very few people study it. That's why I'm going to show it to you and help you to understand what it says. Have self-control and be sober-minded. All right, number four. Uh, before that, we're almost done. So if you are getting baptized today, I want you to go ahead and run out of here and get changed for the baptisms, okay? All right, while they're leaving, listen to number four. Number four is this, that Peter says of how do, I, how do I live in light of the end of all things? One, I'm prepared for suffering. Two, I'm finished with sin. Number three, I'm self-controlled and I'm braced for action. Number four, 
He says, be continuously loving. This is what's going to set the church apart from the world around us, is that in the midst of the turmoil that we are going to be going through, that we are continuously loving. Look at what Peter says. As each one has received, I'm sorry, uh, now the end of all things is near. So be self-controlled and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, keep your love for one another constant. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable one to another without grumbling. This is my personal pet peeve. Listen, if we are living in the generation, which I believe, like I said, we are on the precipice of, if we are living in the generation that will see the end of all things, that will see the Lord's return, then we don't have time to battle in our marriage. You don't have time. You don't have time to be petty. You don't have time to be irritated with each other. You don't have time to have little events that are blowing up in your home. Here's what you have time for. Love each other. Let everything else go. Let everything else slide away. Love each other. Love your kids. Love your wife. Love your friends. Love your parents. Love those around you. That's what you have time for. He says, let your love for one another be constant, meaning let your love be continuously flowing. Don't turn it on and turn it off. When you come on a Sunday morning, life is great. I turn on the love machine and I'm all loving, at least until I get in the car and leave. And then I turn it off and I don't turn it back on until I get back next Sunday. Let your love be constant. Mark, it says these words, I'm sorry, that's the next one. All right, number five, uh, be ready and willing to serve. Be ready and willing to serve. So he says, be prepared for suffering, be finished with sin, be self-controlled, braced for action, be ready, continuously loving, be ready and willing to serve. First Peter 4, again, as each one has received a gift, use it to what? To serve one another. As good stewards of the many-sided grace of God, whoever speaks, let it be as one speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let it be with the strength that God supplies. So in all things, may God be glorified through Messiah Jesus, through Yeshua, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Mark says these words, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Peter says, if it really is the end, get your life prepared. Be prepared for suffering. If, you're, if it's really the end, be finished with sin. If it's really the end, be self-controlled and brace for action. If it's really the end, be continuously loving. If it's really the end, start serving one another. Give this as an opportunity to serve. The church, again, will be set apart in the end because of our love and our service toward one another. There are specific things that we will get to, but that's exactly what it says. The final one is this. Be trusting your life to the faithful creator. 1 Peter chapter 4, jumping to verse 19, it says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will, let them trust their souls to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. With the end near, 
Are you putting your trust where it needs to be? Is your trust in Jesus, the faithful creator? Is your trust in God alone or is your trust in your own ability, in your resources, in your talents, in the government, in the economy? Where is your trust? Here's the answer. My trust is in God. So he gives us six things that we need to do to prepare ourselves in light of living in the end times events that we are going to start breaking apart and tearing down and looking at layer upon layer starting next week. In the meantime, make sure in your heart and in your life that you are prepared, that you are finished, that you are self-controlled, that you are loving, that you are serving, and that you are trusting your life to a faithful creator. Now that leads us into this baptism time. And for those who have been baptized or those who are being baptized today, it is a good reminder, this message is a good, good reminder of my heart in preparation for baptism. When you are baptized, you are baptized into potential suffering, so be prepared. That's not a popular item talked about in baptism, is it? When you're baptized, you're baptized in the potential of having to suffer. When you're baptized, you are saying that you're finished with sin. Did you know that? When you're baptized, you say, I'm done with sin. I want to live a new life in Jesus. I'm done with it. When you're baptized, you are allowing God to do a transforming work in your mind and in your soul. When you are baptized, the evidence of a life change is becoming a person who is completely different. And so if you have already been baptized, this is a good reminder that that's what my life should be today. If you are being baptized today, it's a good reminder of what you are being baptized into. Be prepared. Be ready. Be finished. Be anticipating the Lord's return and be ready to know his word because his word is going to lay out for us everything that we need to know as we are facing the next decade, the next two decades, whatever it might be that is in front of us. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to pray for those today who are ready to be finished with sin, who are ready to say, God, I'm prepared for the suffering. God, I'm not just a believer in you. I am a committed follower of yours. I am sold out to you, Jesus. No matter what comes, no matter what I face, I will never turn my back on you. Help us to be people who have steel in our spines, who have steady hands and steady hearts that are prepared for the things that lay before us. Father, as we enter into this series and we start looking at specifics, Help us, Lord, not to, be, not to be scared by the specifics, but be anticipating your return. Lord, for those that are being baptized today, I pray, Father, that this would be a moment and a time of blessing in their lives, that they would be saying with all of their heart, I am committed to you, Lord. No matter what comes in the world, I am yours. Help me, Lord, to commit my life Help us, Lord, to be fully yours. We thank you for the time that we've been able to gather together. 
Now, as we do the baptisms, Lord, bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to that message from Journey Church. Be sure to stop by our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and check out past sermons and learn how to get plugged in with us. Also, if you would like to give to Journey to help us continue doing ministry in ways like this, just hit the Give button on our website to support us on this mission. Hey, I hope that you have a great day, and may God bless you.